Thank you for listening to the Proclaim Church Sermon Podcast. Proclaim's mission is to make Jesus known through gospel-centered worship, community, and mission. For regular meeting times, more information about our beliefs, or other information, check us out at proclaimkc.org. Psalm 150, verses 1-6. through Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sounds. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourines and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good morning. It's good to be back. Good to see everybody here again at Proclaim. Um, praise the Lord. I feel like that kind of sums it up, actually. I, I, uh, I feel like we could maybe just go straight to communion. Don't, don't have a lot more to say maybe on that. I think it's pretty clear. Praise the Lord. Um, when, when I got this passage to preach, I'll be honest, I thought this was going to be the easiest sermon that I would ever preach. Um, now, granted, that was after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, so I, I was feeling really, really good. Um, then the rest of 2020 happened. You, you know when when murder hornets are the least concerning thing on the news? It, it really sums up what kind of year this has been. And I think right off the bat, I want to address the elephant in the room talking about praising the Lord is, if I'm being honest, that has been a challenge in 2020. I think think more so than most years, I can look and see events of a year affect us as a community. It's not just, I had a challenging year. In many ways, respectively, it's, it's all of us collectively have faced challenges. And I don't know what exactly the worst part of that challenge was. I'm not sure if that challenge is, man, watching these death numbers every day for this disease. I, I had to do this for our church just to see when we could even meet together. And I'll be honest, just looking at those numbers every day, and maybe you've done the same thing, looking at those numbers every day, it's depressing. But when we can look at it and say, oh, only 600-some people are dying every single day from this, and that's a good thing. That's hard. And maybe, maybe you've experienced some of that. Maybe you've experienced fear for, for your family. Maybe you've experienced just fear for us as a country. Maybe you experience fear for job loss that's come out of this. But every way, this disease has affected all of us. Maybe you haven't seen your friends in three months. It's not easy. If that wasn't enough, we're in a time in our country that's difficult. We're in a time in our country where We've seen racism, 
maybe you're afraid to do that. Maybe that impacts your family. We're talking in this country where we see people being in danger because of the job they do. Maybe you have family in law enforcement and you're worried that they're not coming home. More than usual. There's just division. We, we see it in the church. We see it in the country. We see, we see so much hurt in 2020. And the question is, as I'm reading this, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. What does that look like for us when we struggle with that? What does it look like for us to praise the Lord in a time when that really seems bizarre? Almost, almost disrespectful. What would we have to celebrate in 2020? And if you're not feeling that here, if you're lucky enough to not be impacted by any of those things, we've all had times in our life when it seems like praising the Lord just feels this feels like we should be doing a psalm of lament, but what do we do with praise? This entire psalm, the psalmist starts, and every sentence you can see him saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And the thing he starts with is the question of where we praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary. And to understand the history of the psalms, Israel had gone through this experience. In Exodus 25, we read of God saying of Israel, He said, let them make a sanctuary that I might dwell in their midst. So the Israelites made a sanctuary. There's a temple to God. But what happens is they're exiled from that. And we read this through the Psalms. We see Psalms of lament. We see Psalms of exile. We see Psalms rejoicing when the temple's restored, when they're brought back to this place, this sanctuary. And when we see these psalms of praise, we see praising God in his sanctuary and understand that praising God in his sanctuary is something that the Israelites did not take for granted. They had been removed from God's sanctuary. And guys, today in 2020, what better time to talk about the concept of being removed from God's sanctuary? We have been removed from God's sanctuary, from our place of worship, from where we consider to be our sanctuary, for months. How many people are tired of Zoom? Who never wants to see Facebook Live ever again? Right? How weird is it to sit and to sing in your living room with no one there. When someone prays on Facebook, am I supposed to close my eyes if it was pre-recorded? Are we doing this at the same time? I don't know. I don't know. But it's weird. And it should be weird because there's something right and there's something good about praising God in the sanctuary. There's something good about gathering together as Christians. And something we can praise God today for is look what we were able to do. Praise God in his sanctuary. But that's not the only thing. And I think we can lose this because the reason the Israelites had a sanctuary, God said, let us make a sanctuary so I will dwell in their midst. And Christians, we have a little bit different story than the Israelites because the 
The sanctuary of the Holy Spirit is already in our heart. We already have this. In fact, in Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3, 17, it says, you yourselves are God's temple and his spirit, and notice this phrase, dwells in your midst. The same concept in Exodus, in Corinthians, his spirit dwells in your midst, talking of our bodies and not the physical sanctuary. And the reason this is important is that while we were removed from God's sanctuary, as we understood it, our local meeting place, we were not removed from our ability to bridge the gap between sinners and holy God. And this is where as Christians, it is right, it is good, I understand it. There's much frustration, and I see the frustration. The government told us we can't go to church can't meet together, and it is good and it is right, and the Israelites desire to meet in God's sanctuary, but church, we have to be careful that we don't communicate, that we cannot be in the presence of God, because we can't. Now what a great thing, what a praise, what a blessing, that as awkward as it is, I can sit in my living room and talk to the holy God, and I am not exiled from this temple. What a great thing to understand in 2020 of who we are in God, that we have God's sanctuary living in us. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to praise you. But also thank you for no more zeal. I think that's appropriate. I, I think very much it is good to be together. And, and we see that. We see this praise God in your sanctuary. And that's certainly a place we can praise God. But the psalmist continues. He says, praise Him in His mighty heavens. Your concept of where God is to be praised is not exclusive to a physical place. It's not even exclusive to here on earth. God is worthy of praise and will be praised forever, everywhere, into eternity. This concept it is hard for me to grasp. My engineering mind, when we start talking about eternity and heaven and God being praised forever, it's a very tough concept to wrap my head around. But I will tell you, friends, in 2020, this idea of raising God together in his heavens forever, to me, has never been more It's hard not to let that dominate our thoughts. Everywhere we read is death this year. For all kinds of reasons. We see violence happening right now that we can't understand. And unlike, I think, even years ago, if you want, you can get out on Facebook, you can get out on Twitter, you can get out on YouTube, and we are seeing people die. It's terrible. And as Christians, we can get sucked into this idea of just living in fear. But what we have to remember is our praising God right here, if there is no more meaning, if all of us die 
If all of us die from this virus tomorrow, God will be praised and we will praise God in this time. We have eternal hope, believers. And that eternal hope, thank you, Jesus, that this isn't hope. Thank you, Jesus, that this isn't hope. And I think we see those who do not know him, the panic, the hopelessness, and we get frustrated and say, why are people overreacting? And friends, the reason they're overreacting, if there is no God, if there is no eternity, if there is no salvation, they are not overreacting. They are reacting to the reality that they know, which is hopelessness. Guys, we know the truth. We know eternity. We know that we will praise God together, no divisions, political, racial, none. We will praise God together in eternity. Praise God in His heavens. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But that is it. So we know to praise God everywhere. We know we praise God in the sanctuary. We know we praise Him in the heavens. But now this, the psalmist transitions to this concept, which I think is a big question. Why? What makes God worthy of these praise? This is a lofty claim. Praise God everywhere. Okay, why should I praise God? And that may be the question this year. Why? Why should I praise God? And he says, for his mighty deeds. The first aspect we praise of God is because what God has done. And this may seem like an obvious thing, but if we read the Old Testament, we see these massive battles that they had no way of winning, and God would deliver them. And you'd say, oh my goodness, what an amazing journey to protect these people. And then God would say, essentially, put these rocks here and build this thing so you'll remember what God has done. And we read that and go, well, of course they're going to remember. They went through this massive thing, and God delivered them. Why would they have to make this big thing to remind them? And the answer is because they're just like us. We see the disciples have Jesus multiply food out of one thing, a loaf and a fish, and there's just a ton of it. It's a miracle, and then they go right on a boat, and the storm comes, and they go, God, now what are you going to do with But that's us. That is our hearts. I'll tell you, two, three weeks ago, my entire year this year has been praying for God to do something in my work. I really want it. And I say, God, please, if it's your will, if it's your will, if it's your will. And he delivered that two weeks ago. And literally a week later, I'm sitting in my job going, man, this whole thing sucks. I'm scared. You know, God, what, what are you going to do here? This is miserable. One week later, how quickly we forget what God has done. Praise God for his deeds. And as Christians we know, the thing that God done, did ultimately is salvation. If God did nothing else, if nothing good happened, if 2020 became the rest of our lives, and I see those jokes going on, this year's going to last forever. If it did, if everything was terrible all the way till the rest of our lives, God still delivered us to salvation dead in sin, creating a miracle in someone that was dead and called them to him and saved us on the cross. And if that's the only thing God ever did for us, we can look back on that and say, thank you, Jesus, for it. If 
because that was it. Now, by God's grace, that isn't it. There's all kinds of things he's done, but the psalmist says, praise God for those things. If we're thinking of praising God, look at what he has already done. But that's not the only thing. He goes on to say this. According to his excellent greatness. According to his excellent greatness. We don't only praise God for what he's done. We praise God for This concept is challenging because it's the opposite of what we Don't miss this phrase. According to his excellent greatness, we praise God. God is worthy of praise for this reason because he is God. That's it. If God did nothing for us, he would still be worthy of praise because God is God. And that is not contingent on anything that personally is happening to you. Do not get caught up in the, the idea of the world that is constantly pushed at us, that we have nothing to have praise for. God is God, and God is worthy of that praise. And this idea starts with God goes to us, and my heart wants to start with me. God, this is happening in my section of the world, so I will praise you when you have resolved that for me. And this says, no, praise God because he is God, and he is great. That has nothing to do with us. That has nothing to do with me. And guys, I am so thankful because sometimes if it was just me, I would have a hard time saying, what should I praise God for? And the answer is, because he is God. And that doesn't change. Thank you, Jesus, that we praise a God, that we can sing praises to a God that will never change. And how much change have we seen this year? That doesn't change. Still true to get praise God for his grace, because God is God. We move on and we start talking about ways that we do this. And the first thing you mentioned is praise him with trumpet sound and pay attention to these instruments because I think they are important even though it can seem like we're just listing random instruments. The first thing he says is praise him with a trumpet. And the idea here is trumpets are loud. Trumpets are joyous. When someone blew a trumpet, it was an announcement, a wedding. It's something that brings people together. It's exciting. And what the psalmist is saying is it's okay to praise God in a way that's loud, in a way that's joyful, in a way that's exciting, even now. Even now. Maybe especially now. It's okay to get a little loud, a little excited in praising God. It is appropriate to joyfully sing the praises of God because of his works, because of what he has done, because he is God. A reasonable response for Christians is excitement. It's joy. Thank you, Jesus. I think there are actually some Christian songs that mention it being okay to do a little wild praising God. You can look some of those up. Um, but it's okay. It's okay to be excited 
about praising God. That's a good thing. But the other thing a trumpet symbolizes is the coming of God. See, when a king would come, they would blow trumpets. And you've probably seen these movies. My favorite one is A Knight's Tale. But you see trumpets blowing when the king shows up. It's a big deal. And all, all these things, cartoons, movies, whatever, we remember there's a royal trumpet or he blows a trumpet and everybody stops. Because we know the king is coming. We worship, we praise, anticipate the return of our That's what we're doing. What we're doing here is we're praising God for who he is, but we're also seeing praise. Anticipation that our people will be that he is coming. And that when that king comes, all of these other things that are holding us back in our hearts will be done. Thank you, Jesus, for your return. Praise God that he's coming. And we don't have to result in these earthly kings, these politicians, whatever, that consistently will let us down. Our king is returning. Our praise should reflect that. Our praise should reflect the returning of our king. Next he says praise with lutes and harps. And this is kind of a shift because lutes and harps are more somber. These are subdued. And I think the point that's coming across here is it's also okay to praise God in a way that's more solid. In a way that's more toned down, it doesn't always have to be standing on top of chairs, jumping up and down. And I, as an introvert, am so glad for that. I had a youth pastor once that told me, you can't praise Jesus, it's not right, unless you're on the chair, literally, jumping up, waving your hands. And I have never praised God less in my entire life in a worship service than when I tried to run. All the time. It's just... I wasn't there. In my heart, I wanted to praise God, but not by jumping up and down. And the good news for us introverts is sometimes, guys, it's okay to praise God in a more quiet fashion. It's not contingent on what you look like doing it. It has nothing to do with that. And here in 2020, that's good, because I think praising God, we can misunderstand this and say, like we're going up and oh, thank you God for everything terrible that's happening. That's not what it looks like all the time, but I can still praise Jesus in a way that is bringing him honor. But it's not loud, it's not crazy. I'm thankful for a God that I can praise even in times that are Even in our living rooms when we're Projecting faces of other It's okay. We can praise God. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. This seems like a little bit of a one-off here, but I think it's actually very important. The Israelites, when they got away from Egypt, there was deliverance by God. Across the Red Sea, God delivered them in this miracle. And what it describes them doing is praising God with tambourine dance. This phrase is the same used back then in Exodus 15 after the Red Sea, Miriam and the Israelites. How did they praise God for deliverance? With tambourine dance. And the concept here 
is that we praise God for His deliverance. Praise God for His deliverance. There's a lot of talk right now about deliverance. A lot of talk. We even saw, a few days ago, we saw some celebrate the end of slavery in America, which is certainly deliverance. But here's another way that we differ a little bit. We have See, the Red Sea didn't fix every problem. There was still a lot Israel had to go through, including exile. That wasn't it. That wasn't the ultimate deliverance. And we see today in the news, we see celebrations of deliverance, and that deliverance is good, but we understand that no matter what, that ultimately is not the ultimate deliverance. And we know that because everything isn't better. Everything is not perfect today, and the reason for that is that we're still realizing God's ultimate deliverance. Christians for us on the cross, we have been granted that And we know that's done. Our ultimate deliverance is done, and part of praising God should absolutely be informed by His deliverance on the cross. By our ultimate salvation, if we're praising God and we're leaving out His deliverance of our sins, we're missing something. God delivered us. And that's something to praise God for. Thank you, Jesus, for your deliverance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. And he closes this section. And we talk about the idea that there are many ways to praise God. And the takeaway here is when you're praising God, there are many ways to do it. But the request here is praise the Lord. All of these things are active things. None of this is, oh, I'm praising God when I go home and take a Sunday nap and I'll praise Him in my sleep. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, do things, do these things, think this way, but praise the Lord with what you have. We're not restricted by instruments, and that's a good thing too, because we've been a little restricted when it's Zoom. When it's Facebook, we can't bring everything out, and the thing is, that's okay, because there are multiple ways to praise God, but the request is that we do it. The request is that we do that we praise God in those ways, in what ways we can. Now we end with who. Who should praise God? Everything that has breath. Everything that has breath. That's the answer. I think there's a reason for this language. It's not just talking everything that's alive, although that's the concept. I don't think he's just saying everything that has breath to say everything that has cognitive ability or sentience or whatever. He's saying everything that has breath because what gave us breath God. So we don't draw a breath without the grace of God. God, our Creator, 
gave us breath. And the psalmist said, everything that is fortunate enough to take a breath from its creator. Praise God. Always. There's no qualifier on that. It doesn't say circumstances. It doesn't say, well, this time, or if your heart's in this place, or whatever. It says, if you are breathing. Praise God. All of these reasons listen. So what do we make of that? The sermons in the sense is this, that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Is this year hard to praise God than other years? I don't, I don't really know. I suspect it's harder than some years. I suspect some years it depends on the person. It may be harder other times. I don't know if it's particularly harder because the problem isn't our circumstances this year. The problem is what it always is, is it's our hearts. Our hearts are the problem. My heart desires to wonder to God. My heart desires to erect idols, and when those idols fall, my heart desires to crumble. I don't know if it's any harder. It may feel harder. But we need this. We need the Word of God. We will wonder again. We will always struggle to praise God if we don't believe ourselves. And you may say here today, you may say, I don't actually believe any of this stuff. I don't actually believe in this God and praising. So I don't want to praise something I don't believe in. I absolutely understand that. And this is what I ask you. We as Christians share concern. We share concern for things that are happening in this world, for all of them. A biblical perspective shares concern because we value life. We value peace as Christians. So we share that. But my question to you is, where is your praise? What can you praise? And if you're praising political change and hoping for that in November, if that's what you're hanging your hat on, if you're praising societal change, or if everyone would just listen to this, I don't think that's going to work. And the reason I say that is because it hasn't worked still in 2020, thousands of years later, hundreds of years later from this country, we're still having problems. Where is your hope? What do you put that hope in? And if there is a God, and this God is who says he is, is that not some place to rest in place? Will you consider that? Now if you're here today and you're Christians, here's my advice to you. Praise the Lord. But how do we get there? How do we get there? Guys, I don't know if the economy is going to get better. I do not know. I don't know. I don't know if race in this country is going to heal any way better. I don't know if there's a solution to any of that. I don't know if it's going to be safer to be in law enforcement six months from now than it is today. I don't know the answer to that. I 
wish, I pray, I don't know answer. Those are temporary answers. While God cares and all that stuff, there's a final answer. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 says this. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne. Christians, what a privilege to take part in that salvation. What a privilege to take part in something. Some to God. What do we do? What do we do? How do we not let our hearts be so easy? everything going on. I think the psalm has the answer to this. It's a couple of the first is we remember what God's done. So good things have happened. God has done miracles in my life this year. I had three members of my family. It's amazing. It's amazing. God provided to me things that I never dreamed were possible. But still my heart wants to wonder that I forget. Remember what God has done. God is good. God has blessed every one of us. But more than that, remember who God is. When we get shaken, when my heart gets shaken, when I find myself angry or frustrated or scared, which is quite often, many times it's because I forget what God I serve. Stephen can't fix this, so I'm terrified. Friends, we serve a great Almighty God who is in complete control. Remember that. The way to do that is to read His Word, by the way. To remember who God is and to look back on what He has done. Both of those things are in this book. And if we're not reading it, we will easily do it. And finally, as I think one of the greatest corporations in the entire world says, you just do it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We just do it because God is worthy and because it's what He's commanded. Praise the Lord. That's our ask. And if we forget why and don't feel like it, it's likely because we've forgotten why. Let's remember who God is. Let's take part in praising the doctrine of our salvation. Nothing. No matter what's next in July or August, I shudder to think this year. None of that can be taken. We have the opportunity to celebrate that salvation that delivers today. What a great opportunity to gather together finally and 
celebrate that deliverance God has given us. And if you have those uh, communion cups, if you want to take that out, if you haven't, if you haven't gotten those, um, they're back at the at the back tables. We're going to point you back there if you still have that. Let's take a moment together and recognize God's deliverance. Recognize that salvation. Matthew chapter 26. It says this. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat this as my body. Let's eat this from remembrance of Jesus. And he also took a cup. And when, and when he had given thanks, gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which was poured out for me for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you and my Father's Thank you, Jesus, for that promise. Lord Jesus, thank you for your cross. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. Please be with our hearts, Lord. Let us, let us praise you.